Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, this is Tyler. And this is Casey. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's going on, all my woods people? We're doing another Element Podcast brought to you by First Light. First Light makes a thing called the Trace, KC, and you're supposed to swim in it or something, I think, right? <laughs> I have uh, at least felt like I was swimming. Uh, you. It's made for the hot <laughs> <laughs> it's made for hot weather, uh-huh. and uh, we've experienced a good bit of that lately, but yeah. I did get to escape up to the mountains recently, do mm. a little summertime hiking and fly fishing. And, man, if you are in a situation where you're sweating and that sweat will actually evaporate, that that works pretty well. I'm impressed with it. It dries pretty quick, too. Uh, it's a nice you, fishing shirt. You might have heard somebody tripped over a barbie box. So I go, that's old Greg. And Greg went uh, Greg. full of wading it the other day and, and uh, proclaimed how quickly it dried, I do believe. So yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty good piece. So speaking of fly fishing – that's what this whole episode's about, man. Man, about near most of it. Um, we are letting you know that up front because you may not be into this, but you also might listen because you might be into it by the end of the podcast. It's July fifth, man. Come on. What do you want to talk about? This is fly fishing time. <laughs> That's exactly dude. right. Hey, the bugs are popping. It's the element. It ain't uh, you know hunting the public land whitetail deer right. or anything. You know, like <laughs> this is what we do, man. I'm yep. going fly fishing this time of year. So we uh, we recently got back from a couple of trips uh, that kind of just made us want to. Uh, kind of reflect on some of the things in the past that we've endured and that we've talked about and that we've come to light on and uh, all these different stories and things that we've got uh, in our fly fishing past. So with that, the I wanted FFP. To, that's it. The FFP is coming out today, y'all. <laughs> um, so 
I I'll just go ahead and start us off and talk about which some of you, some of you've heard this, but uh, there's a lot of people that uh, are new to this podcast according to the numbers. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of rehash some things. Maybe you hear some new stuff and nothing else. Maybe you get to just kick back and relax in the summertime while you're working. Listen to a couple of guys chat about fly fishing. And so uh, with that, um, I grew up duck hunting on public reservoirs a lot. Uh, and I was talking about this the other day. You know, it's not. It wasn't like a, a thing. It wasn't like, we're going out to hunt some public. It was like, we're going to find birds. And if there was 400 ducks in the back of Garrett Creek and 50 on any of the pools that we had a chance to hunt, we were going to the back of Garrett Creek. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it may kind of, you know that like there's other dudes that can hunt that. So you may have to get up a little earlier. You may have to do this or that, right? So you, you definitely take it into consideration, but it's not like we're hunting public land. We got pride in this thing. It's like, we're going to find it's the July most. now. We're going to go find <laughs> the most ducks that we can possibly find. And as KC is saying, there ain't no reason at this point to have pride in, you know, hunting public land. That's right. So with that, uh, that's what we grew up doing was hunting a lot of birds. Um, and I hunted deer a bunch too, but like ducks was my thing growing up. Um, and basically f- through high school, I hunted a lot of ducks. I hunted in college a little bit too, um, killed a few deer and stuff like that too. Always every year would, would do that a bunch. It just, there's something about deer hunting that like, it's harder to be 16 and find a big deer and kill it, especially as high as, uh, you know, the cost of hunting big game animals has gotten in the last few decades. It's harder to do that than it is to just find some birds on Lake Fork and go set some decoys out in the morning, you know what I mean? And get after them. And that's so, that was why I think waterfowl was more appealing was because it was just easier for me to get into, you know? And, um, so anyway, when I get into college, I'm still wanting to do the waterfowl thing and everything, but, um, I, I don't know exactly how this started. I had I had a, a, a Shakespeare fly fishing rod in high school. That I think we I all used, did, man. Yeah. It was a thing. Like is dabble a little bit. Yeah, you know? it was the Evo grip, green, green, blank. Yep. It came with like a bluish gray kind of line. Mm-hmm. Black Shakespeare reel. Yep, and it yep. was cheap, 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 cheap. But you could catch some some bass and some bluegill on it in a pond you know and Mm -hmm. and you learn how to kind of work that like i used to think when i first picked a fly rod up that the fly line was supposed to land on the water every cast Mm -hmm. so like you know they call them false casts where you don't actually you know you go back and forth those are false casts right and every false cast i would let it land on the water and pick it back up and i'd let it land on the water and get a little bit more out you know and so uh that's how i cut my teeth um kind of originally well i kind of got back into it in college somehow i think i went to bass pro and found a cheap on sale lefty cray um like fly time box yep, had the some, kit had the video had the in kit, there video man he was teaching you how did a pheasant tail a hair's stuff, ear and a you know? woolly booger yeah yeah and so I, I i got to doing that in my room well my sophomore year i roomed with a receiver on my team um, who actually uh, a guy that was one of Math- Matthew Stafford's top receivers in high school when they won state uh, the year we were all seniors at the same time and um, anyway one of his receivers was my roommate well like three weeks into this thing he just like straight up was like I'm quitting football and our three weeks into our sophomore year and I'm going to go into the army and so I'm not really doing anything the rest of the year and so he moved out and like moved into his girlfriend's house or something well I had this like apartment style dorm 
well, to myself. And I was like, kick back, about to do this thing, you know, and uh, just fly tying. That's what I did, man. I didn't really go out and party or anything. So uh, I started tying flies. And then naturally, I'm like, I got a book that's called A Thousand and One Places to Fish or something like that. It's by Mark D. Williams. It's an awesome book. It shows all kinds of places you can go, give you some inside tips, some that are kind of generic in general, but he tells you about them in depth. He's a real funny author. And um, I've I've used that book so much I've worn the cover off of it. But it gave me something to dream about when I'm practicing football 330 years or days a year. You know what I mean? Like just all the time I'm like, okay, as soon as I get out of this prison of football, like I am going catch catching fish and fly fishing. This is something I can do, you know. You dream of going elk hunting. You dream of going sheep hunting. But why can't you do those things? Mm. Because they cost way more money than you could even fathom it Billions. having Billions. at that point in your life. And so with that and the fact that, like, nobody put me in as a child, really, for uh, the point system, and I start looking at odds, I'm like, man, I don't I don't stand a chance of ever drawing these sheep tags for sure. Elk tags are going to be tough enough as is, you know. And so the one way to get into the Rocky Mountains and to experience some different weather and some different conditions and some different cool things was to buy a $30 license or a $60 license and to go fishing, right? So I just had this dream. And that's where this whole fly fishing thing started for me was in college, in the dorm room, tying flies. Um, And then I used to try to find places to fish around Dallas, which is way harder than you think. (laughs) It's real tough. You get like, you know, an afternoon off. You want to try to stay within 45 minutes of the campus so you can get all the stuff done. You got to do that night. Um Dude, it is tough to find a place to even catch a largemouth bass. I'm used to fish in Turtle Creek, if you know where that is. Some people may. It's in Dallas. Uh, Troy Aikman and Jerry Jones live in that area. So if that gives you any idea what's going on, there's a park there in a tiny shallow creek called Turtle Creek that goes through there. And I caught a few fish out of it. But, you know, just trying to scratch the itch. But that's kind of like where I grew up um, and started like learning fly fishing but also really just getting the itch to fly fish and i itched it a little bit later on where'd you kind of pick up all this well so a lot like you i think whenever a young man's 13 or 14 he's trying a lot of new things uh and thankfully mine was outdoor oriented Mm -hmm. you know i can only imagine if you're trapped in the concrete jungle with the Mm -mm. new things you can get into but um i so when before I left home, so graduated high school. I moved residences 21 times. Whoa. So, you know, left home at 18 and had moved 21 times and essentially never left the school district that I was in. Now, one time we cheated the system. I lived on a double branch, no, long branch, I'm sorry, which is a cove on Lake Fork mm-hmm. in an RV park for <laughs> one year. That was my seventh grade year. Um and uh but my mom worked in Sulphur Springs still, so we we'd, you know, commute in the mornings up to Sulphur Springs and I still went to school at Sulphur Springs school. Um did that whole, you know, I was living with my aunt thing or whatever yeah. people do, you know. You should have been going to Yanis or something probably. Huh? Yeah, I should have for sure been going to Yanis or Quitman, one of the <laughs> two. Um but uh, you know, I wanted to play football and uh they didn't have those. Well, Quitman did, barely. Uh but um Yanis didn't and that was the you know, the formative year of the football years. I can remember too the R V living we, you and I have both done some RV living in our lives, and that's the first time it started for me. 
And uh, a lot of interesting things about RV living. One thing you learn when you're a little kid is that if you're living in an RV, you can hear what's going outside, going on outside the RV a lot. So I'd lay there at night and I could hear the male alligator out there in the in the cove doing his brrr thing. You know? Really? That's yeah, cool. It was cool. Uh, another thing is when you have to bleach your football pants, you just do it in a cooler outside with some bleach and some water, and it works pretty good. Clean the cooler, uh, too. That's, it's a dual purpose. <laughs> Let's go, dude. <laughs> That's right. Maximizing. Um, and then um, – you can store some canoes underneath the RV pretty easy, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we did. Uh, so our RV lot backed up to the lake, which was awesome. And then everybody kind of treated the lake shore in that park kind of like it was, you know, fair game or whatever. Nobody, especially being a 12-year-old kid, nobody cared if you walked up and down the bank and fished. So mm-hmm. I uh, had that same combo that you were talking about. I think if anybody ever was interested in it, they went to Walmart because they had that Shakespeare combo. And then there was like that little five pack of flies. There'd be like a bee mm-hmm. in there and then some <laughs> random like Royal Wolf looking things or mm-hmm. just bull corn, you know. And uh, <laughs> I was fishing some of that. I was doing all kinds of experimental things too. Then I like had a, a spear. I was like spearing bluegill from the bank, you know. It's still kind I built of, me a spear out of broomstick one yeah, time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I put uh so I had the broomstick and then I duct taped um you know those uh blow blowgun needles? Oh yeah, yeah. I duct taped cool. three of those like a tried in. Yeah, that's good. Wow. So I had uh it was a a flounder gig that I repurposed for um I like it. Yeah, for bluegill it worked pretty good. And then I also bought one of those Hawaiian slings, you know what I'm talking about? It's a pole spear or whatever, so it has a, a true three at the end, mm-hmm. and it has a, a rubber band on the back. You like kind of shoot back, it. like yeah, and shoot yeah, it out. Those or are cool. Yeah, those you are smoke cool. smoke a bedded bluegill for sure with <laughs> yeah. that thing. But back to the fly fishing <laughs> side of stuff. At some point in time, I decided that little Shakespeare combo was just not cutting it, and I still didn't know how to cast worth a flip. Mm-hmm. None of us did, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm gonna go get something better. So I went to Bass Pro, and I thought back then. That if a five six combo was good, then an eight nine combo was better. You know, I <laughs> yeah. didn't really understand the weights. You uh-huh. know, which is hard to do. In fact, Eric, uh, you know, he recently probably because we do it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to try some fly fishing too. And he got him a rig. And I remember us talking about this weight stuff with him too. It's like not from a conventional tackle standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, because you really you're. It's just done differently, mm-hmm. you know. We'll get into some of that in a little bit later. But, anyways, I went and got the 8-9 combo from White River. It's still yep. a click-paw reel, but it's an 8-9 combo, you know, <laughs> which if you're in, in the space, you understand that there's no drag on that, but it's made for catching or throwing larger flies, which usually catches bigger fish like bass. So, if you ever do hang anything big, it's just <laughs> zipping it out. <laughs> and one time, I spent hours on the bank, you know, when I was 12, 13, just slapping the water. With line. Could never cast longer than 15 feet, you know. But I caught a couple bluegill, and one time I hooked a bass, and it broke me off. And after that, I was like, oh, that was cool. I need to do that again. <laughs> yep. But then, you know, life got busy, and I fly fished a little bit here and there. You know, the, the common thing to do in our area of the country, our closest trout water um, is in Oklahoma at a place called Beaver's Bend State Park. It's overrun with people. I suggest you do not go there. Mm-hmm. Um but back then, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. You know, this is this is 20 years ago, um, you know, when I was just a young teenager. And uh, I'd go up there in the summer with my grandparents. They'd carry me up there, and we'd go. You'd see these fish, you know, and you could fish for them. They had them palomina trout out yep. there, so you could see them things yep. and cast at them. Yep. And, uh, you know, I would catch things every once in a while. And then you'd go to the fly shop. I'm like, yeah, man, they're hitting, uh, you know, 
so they fed those trout there. Mm. And so, like, the guys would be like, yeah, you take this dry fly, and then you just hook a piece of paper on the hook, and it looks like the feed that they feed those trout. And they eat it. Like, oh, that's awesome, man. And now I'm like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> not that, like, I have any problem with it uh, morally. It's just like, ah, it's just a real cheesy way to catch fish. It's not your interest. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, Whereas uh, other people, it doesn't bother you if it's their interest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, don't, I can do what they want to. Yeah. For sure. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. You just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. So that's how that went. Uh, I can remember uh, like burning up because that's a tailwater, right? Which means it comes out of a dam, 
and it's cold water, but it's still like 100 degrees outside. So like your top half is just blistering hot and your bottom half is freezing. I remember that being a thing. But then I kind of subsided with the fly fishing stuff, kind of like you until later in life. And then uh, I went down the road of all kinds kinds of different stuff to do. When I lived in College Station, I failed out of college after a couple years. You all probably know if you listen to the podcast um they asked me not to come back because i didn't do my work um <laughs> and uh i got a job at a mattress store and uh did mattress sales for a while and i was pretty good at it and really liked my, the people i worked with i liked the job all right um but again kind of like tyler it was kind of college station is like a big little town so there's no like city center it's just a bunch of suburb Mm -hmm. pretty much because it's a college town right so you're just catering to college kids i loved it down there don't get me wrong but again difficult time to find fishing spots um you could either go to a lake where there's no public ground around to walk and so you're like fishing a boat ramp or you just find drainage ditches and retention ponds and stuff so i got to catching gar behind the sam's club in this little creek that uh it literally i bet you most of that water came from yard irrigation mm-hmm. you know but it flow year round so i was catching gar on woolly boogers and i thought it was cool man i can remember my boss he's kind of a uh wealthier fella you know i liked him he, he's not a bad guy but um we were talking about hobbies and stuff he's like man one of these days i kind of like to fly fish i think that would be cool and i was like i'll take you and he was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? You can't fly fish around here. I was like, yeah, you can catch gar behind Sam's. I do it all the time. And he thought that was the most redneck thing <laughs> yeah, he'd ever heard, man. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, after I left that job, I went and um, went home to East Texas and didn't fish much. But then I took a job for the state working on the Texas coast. And that's really where uh, I uh, came into my own as a fly fisherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a matter of convenience uh, because... Like there's this thing in fly fishing, and you know about it. A lot of people do, and even conventional fishermen know. Like, as a boat fisherman, you can go tear them up a lot of times, but if you're like a bank fisherman or a guy who doesn't have a boat, you got to find different ways of calling something successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you challenge yourself with a fly rod, then you catch one. It's like, man, I had a good day, you <laughs> yeah. know. But if you go out there with, you know, just the conventional popping cork, you only catch one because you're bank fishing. You're like, man, that kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was kind of cool to be able to, uh, you know, cast flies at tailing fish and stuff like redfish. And then I finally yep. learned that flounder really was my favorite thing to catch on a fly rod. And and truth be told, um, if you're using the right tackle, uh, fly fishing can be more effective in the base in certain stuff. situations. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Was, that's what I was thinking. That's what's cool about fly fishing is like. You know, for trout, it, it really is more effective a lot of times for stream trout, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, just absolutely. because of what what they eat but and you where know, you catch them. I think that. And there's a tactic behind it all. And we'll talk about some of that stuff in a little bit, I imagine. Uh, but then I went to the Smoky Mountains in 2016. And, you know, we're catching native brook trout on flies and stuff. And then my buddy and his dad pull up with their their spin rods and their spoons, and they'd start ripping brook trout out of these little streams. I'm like, okay, am I really as cool as I think I am? You know, I think you are. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the, it's you think that it's more effective, and then like all of a sudden, you realize there's just more than one way to skin a cat. Where they're preying on a trout's instinctive 
uh, yeah, nature to eat bait fish, no matter what the situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like when you're matching the hatch or you know trying to use terrestrials when it's appropriate or whatever, then you're uh, you know you're kind of like doing just the wittier. Uh, yeah, you're thing. probably right, man. That's but, true. No, it is though. There there is certain situations where it is it's the most effective thing. Yeah, but there, I mean, like, and another thing about it that's cool about uh, fly fishing is it's very visual. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're oftentimes fishing. Uh, instead of just spoon throwing a spoon out there or whatever mm-hmm. and catching fish as you reel it in, you see that fish hit. And mm-hmm. this is one thing. When I dude, when I I grew up, my dad had a fishing lodge. It still does. I mean, he he's had it for thirty years. Um, and so I grew up fishing all the time. And my favorite bait was a tiny torpedo in that frog color. And <laughs> I would just sit. I would just my dad. You know, he's a pretty patient guy, and he would teach me throw it out there. He said, "Don't move it." for as long as you can stand it and then when you do move it just twitch it twice and he said you better be ready or whatever (laughs) he talked about always working it slow because everybody wanted to work it fast and didn't have patience right and uh what happens when you throw that thing out there is these fish come up and they just look at it right and if you start taking off with it a lot of times they'll kind of just lose interest or see that it's not really a real thing it's not moving that much but if you just twitch it a lot of times they'll just just take it you know so it's pretty it's pretty effective and i used to catch them on that tiny torpedo all the time and i thought that was just the coolest thing being able to see fish hit that thing and you know the top water was this it was where it was at for me when i was young so it naturally throwing a dry fly is pretty pretty up there for me i'm all about you know to take I mean? man yeah. absolutely and it's uh we actually have a video called Going for Guad. We got a lot of fly vision videos, and we'll tell you about some of them. But there's this video called Going for Guad that's uh, us fishing for Guadalupe bass in Texas. And they are, like, primed and ready for topwaters. It's mm-hmm. like a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember some of the takes that we got. You know another topwater take we got? A lot of is uh, salmon fly in the Rock Trolls video. Man, it's cool. I mean, that's what we went to mm-hmm. do, was just yeah. straight up throw the biggest fly trout will eat pretty much in the lower 48 mm-hmm. and just let them float and get sick video. We took a huge rig down in there. In fact, grab that and show these people on, that are watching on video. This plus this. This plus a giant lens on it, and it's just sitting up there on a rock 2,000 foot down in a canyon uh, on a tripod where, you know, there's – it, we were probably several times very close to just losing the camera off in the river, right? And this is a deep, fast river. and uh, But we're just, like, zoomed in every time we cast and just following that thing and getting these awesome video shots of, of fish coming up and hitting, like, that big. I mean, two, three-inch flies. And you know smoking I mean? it porpoise style. Yeah. And then there's another video. Uh, we caught a state record. Is that what that one's called? Yep. It's all about the, the uh, topwater take as well. But it's a lot slower. Mm-hmm. So I caught a grass carp that's a state record on a fly. Didn't confirm it. Didn't mail the stuff in. But we didn't measure it. Yeah, it measures out as as the as the state record on fly. And I caught it on something I call a sour power. It's a fly I tied myself. So uh, cool. it's pretty cool. They yeah. actually fight really cool. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun deal. And I think that I did catch a state record one time. Do you know that? And confirmed yeah, you caught it. a bluegill, right? Blue cat. Oh, I had the state catfish. record blue cat on a fly I thought rod. you had, I thought you caught something on your I had a lake record for that. But the state mm. record was a blue cat, uh, about, it was 8.45 on a fly rod. And as soon as that sucker got in the net, the hook pulled out. Mm. Yeah. But I caught on a woolly bugger. That's cool. Yeah. Just 
sight fished it. Yeah. It's that's, cool. that's, see, you were talking about how fly fishing is a visual thing, and it really, really is. There's all these things that you take in. You know, a lot of times you're in a pretty place. Sometimes you're in the worst, ugliest place, like I was catching gar, but like you find intricacies about it and you didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really, and this is a little bit overused, but it's the closest fishing to hunting that I think there is. Because you have to think a lot like a hunter. You have to put together a bunch of different stuff to become successful, where it is like... I don't get me wrong. I love beating banks of spinnerbaits uh, because it's a good way to catch big bass um, in certain times of the year. But it's it's just all about odds at that point in time. You just chunk it enough times in a, in enough good water, and you'll catch something. Whereas with fly fishing, a lot of times you're doing research as to find the right place to go, and you are figuring out the right stuff to use. You're selecting the right spots, learning how to read water, which means to like see how the current flows around mm-hmm. rocks and trees and stumps and stuff. That's a huge part it's of it. It's a huge part of it. And and that's like, you know, I, can, I can't really imagine how many casts you'd make or whatever, but with bass fishing, I'm... I'm always thinking like it's a good cast. Don't get me wrong. But like there's many times in fly fishing whenever I'm like, I'm going to catch one of the first two casts into this hole. And if I don't, mm-hmm. there's not a fish there. Whereas mm-hmm. bass, you'll just keep on just hitting the bank the whole way. Well, and if you're, if you're like the kind of sensory overload lover, the ADD type of guy, the, the fly fishing stuff can be pretty good for you because what you can't, and one thing you can't really you may not be able to do it well if you are a guy that like can't multitask or whatever they call it or focus like if you focus on one thing so hard that like you lose sense of the entire world around you it might not be for you because the uh the thing is like when you're casting across these different currents if you can read the water correctly you know what's fixing to happen well when when i cast across a current into a slack on the other side uh a little slack water on the other side or a uh, like a seam, what they call a seam on the other side. A lot of times, the water in between my fly and me, when that lands, that water is pulling your line faster than it's pulling your line essentially. So, what you can't have is your bait as a little tiny fly. Typically, fish won't hit it if it's moving in a in a fashion that is not the same as all the current and everything it's else around drag. it. drag. And they call it drag. Yeah. So, And you can have micro amounts of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and the fish won't hit it at times. So you have to make sure that it's not dragging. So you have to do like, and it can be multiple currents, right? You could have that, that big seam or you're fishing that seam on the other side of the main channel, which is blowing your, your line down this way. And then you might have an eddy on this side of the main channel on your side that is pulling back against it. So you've got a reverse current going the other way. So your line's just going like this. It's just going to whip your bait out of that seam real quick, not even give them a chance to look at it hardly. So you've got to do all this mending and holding your line up off the water and all this stuff to keep your fly in the hole for as long as possible without dragging as you can. Not to mention you're trying to keep your fly from sinking because if it gets in the wrong, like mm-hmm. if it gets a wave over the top of it or something, it's so, it's, it's a lot, man. It's, you know, it looks like if you watch, maybe if you watch a, a Hollywood or anything else, it looks like a dude's just out there just being a hoity-toity and just flinging and just wrist flicking and enjoying the scenery around him and smoking a cigar or a pipe or whatever, but the way that we do it is a little more it is. in in involved, I guess. Covering you'd say. country like yeah. I, I I got some waders, but I hardly ever wear waders anymore. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because you're in and out of the water so much and most of the, most of the year it feels good. Here while back it was cold. 
<laughs> like yeah. runoff was late this year. The yep. water was too cold, man. But you know, like we're talking about hiking, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight miles, depending on what we're doing exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you're, it's like spot and stalk hunting. You're mm-hmm. the whole time you're you're meandering. You're looking for the next spot where one might be, and and making your strategy, testing stuff out, failing, changing it, messing around with it a little bit. It's it's uh it it we. Our goal with this podcast is not discourage you, but to let you in on kind of a thing that we love to do, yeah, and um, why we love it. So um, it's I've said this before, probably on a similar podcast to this before in this in this uh, podcast world. But I've heard people say golf is just hitting a ball in a little hole, right? Mm-hmm. You can make anything that you can make fly fishing. Just the, like I said, the guy out there just flicking his wrist, looking at the mountains, mm-hmm. and trying not to get eaten by bears. But at the end of the day. You can make things more than what they seem on the surface. You always can. I mean, you can make it whatever you want. You can add any little challenge you want. You can fish what you love. You can fish for species that you love. You know, you can fish subsurface, uh, on the surface. Like, you know, there's just so many things you can make, and there's so many, if you want to study it a little bit, it can be pretty intricate. Mm -hmm. And it's fun when you figure out fly fishing enough that you can go and catch them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I both are at the stage where we're like, give me an hour and I'll hammer a few fish out. Figure it anywhere out. Anywhere yep. we're at. Yep. You know, and, and I don't mean to speak overconfidently because I can get humbled real quick quick on a river, but uh, it usually doesn't take much mm-hmm. to figure it out. And quite honestly, even for dry flies. So if you don't know it, fly fishing, there's like four, we'll just call them three main types of fishing. Uh, you'll have dry fly fishing which means that you throw something that looks kind of like a bug on top and it just floats down like an insect, right? And then there would be nymph fishing, which means you're using something underneath the water that still goes with the current uh, and it just drifts through like a bug underneath the water. Um, That's where a lot of these bugs uh, live in their pupa stages and is underneath rocks and stuff and trout eat those a lot. And then there is like... Streamer fishing, uh, which is the closest thing to, like, conventional tackle fishing. So you'll use stuff that looks like fish darting through the water or a top water on top. It's not really a streamer, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Uh, so that's kind of like the three ways of doing it. And uh, most places where trout live, you can find a way to make them look up and eat eat something on top. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a lot of fun. Well, and that's what's cool about the uh, stream fishing is, like, there's, they only have so many, like, there's only so much volume there that they can disappear to. Mm-hmm. In a lake, you know, those, especially, like, big lakes that are deep, it's hard to find fish sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, don't it, like fishing lakes. I don't either. And, and if you if you don't have the right equipment, fly fishing, conventional whatever, in lakes, man, you just... There's a lot of reasons there. why it's bad. Because yeah. there's no current, so, and that water's crystal clear if you're in trout streams, like high mountain stuff. Dude, sometimes you cannot get one to eat because they can tell for sure there's something wrong with it. I caught a greenback out of the lake recently, uh, out of a lake recently, mm-hmm. and, I mean, I had to use 7X tippet. I hate it. And I had to uh, – I, I was throwing stuff. 7X is like two-pound. It's two-pound test. Yeah. Pretty much. So – And I had to throw like a size 20 or 22 thing. Was, it was basically a hook with black string on mm-hmm. it that I tied, you know, to, to get this thing to bite. 
uh, because I was throwing 5X and they wouldn't hit it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it's, it's probably the line. This stuff's so clear. There's no current. In a current situation, they have to make a decision pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, the, and like you said, it's it's moving. There's sediment that's brought down a lot of times. And mm-hmm. so it can make it a little bit cloudier. And just it helps. All those are advantages that help you to get by it. So, I don't know. The The whole reading water thing is so, is super fun for me, and that was one of the first things that I was having to overcome to start catching fish. Like on the lower mountain fork there in Beaver's Bend where you're talking about, that's where I actually cut my teeth trout fishing, learning how to read water was there. Uh, in college, I could go out there in the summer. There wasn't nobody around. It was hot as all get out, and I could throw hoppers, figure out how to not have the drag, uh, figure out how like where the fish hung out on these current seams and these in these eddies and which direction they might be facing all this stuff right another thing you can do to help you figure out where fish live in a river in a river shed is fish small streams starting out because it's just a it's a picture of a bigger stream mm. uh you know, generally speaking, and you can figure out where these fish live on these small streams and they're going to be like four or six inches. They're going to be tiny. Get you a tiny little rod. Don't set the hook too hard and just learn where these fish live. And then you can translate, translate that into the bigger river system later on. Like, uh, I fished the big Thompson the other day in Colorado. That is a fun place, man. Mm -hmm. A lot of people know about it. A lot of people love it. It's got a lot of road access, so I'm not trying to burn a spot here or anything, but it was a cool place. I didn't catch anything big. I've caught a few nice ones in there before, but it really is like a very good picture of like what a kind of small river, big creek fish is like. Like mm-hmm. you feel like you're fishing kind of, uh, it's it's pocket water, which mm-hmm. is what I really like, you know, and I was able mean, to. And pocket water means? Basically that there are boulders throughout that create these pockets behind them of little spots that you can essentially dab almost. There'll be sections that are unfishable because the water's too fast. Mm -hmm. But then because there's this certain boulder, there'll be like a pool behind it and a back eddy. And Mm -hmm. like just when, when you say seam, it means a place where like really fast water is touching water. That's not quite as fast. And that's where a fish will live because they're what they're using that water as a conveyor belt to bring them. Exactly. Right. So they don't want to sit there where the water's really slow because Mm -hmm. not much food comes by. Mm -hmm. The really fast water is going to bring them the food, but they don't want to swim in the really fast water. Some of them will. I mean, dude, what they, seems fast to us ain't nothing to a no, fish. No, it really isn't. And that's that's what I was fixing to say is, like, you'd be surprised on that seam uh, fishing towards the fast side. A lot of times mm-hmm. you'll get more bites than fishing towards the slow side One of, of the coolest seam. things for me in that water is that you can get away with a lot of casts because a lot of times there's a lot of bubbles and mm-hmm. foam and things. So, like, you can hit a seam like seven or eight times and finally you get just that perfect float mm-hmm. and smash. And yep. you know that fish could see that thing the whole time, but there's just something about that one little seam that yep. was just like... It's like they don't want to commit to a different – to swimming over here to grab it. Yeah. They want it to be right on their, their path. Yeah, it is, man. And I, another thing about it is, like, you may have fished that – you may have thrown seven or eight casts in there, and you may have known that none of them were mm-hmm. really the one you wanted. You're fishing them out and just trying not to let them drag. And a lot of times you want that bait to, to go drifting past them so that you're not jerking a big pop off the water – Right over the top of them, right? You want it to go past them, so you go ahead and let it fish out, mm-hmm. and you bring it back up, and you try, you're try. you trying to hit that spot, and you miss it again. You go back, you know, and it's – I don't know. It's fun, man. It, and another thing, you know, that reminds me, another thing that's really nice about fly fishing is, like, if you get into a schooling situation, like on the lake with sand bass or something like that, dude, 
if you if if you're fishing a, like a popper and you got a lot of line out with conventional reel, you see a school pop up behind you, you got to mm-hmm. reel as fast as you can mm-hmm. with a fire. Let's pick it up and throw it back over there in yeah. like one well, swoop. And same thing with uh, missing a fish. Yeah, I think about that on bass all the time. You know, you like you think you got a bass with top water or worm or whatever. You set the hook. Well, you got to reel in and then just think that you're ending up in the same place. Yeah. Might Hardly have to redo your work. Texas rig yeah, or exactly. whatever. Yeah, With a fly rod, you know, like essentially on a big fish, so there's two types of way to set a fly rod. There's a trout set, which means you just lift the rod and hold the line. Uh, that's for like dry fly fishing. If you're fishing streamers, uh, you'll do what's uh, strip set, which means you go with the line like that and hammer that hook in. Usually it's for bigger fish. You do a strip set on a big fish, miss him, just and you're there. Like It's like the bait never left him. Yeah. And yeah. I can't tell you how many times, especially in the salt, um, that you catch the fish on second or third hit, mm-hmm. you know, especially flounder because they're notorious for like pecking around on things. Mm. And so like you just, you know, strip nothing, strip nothing back in there. And then you finally learn like, hey, I need to let him eat it for a second mm-hmm. and then smash. Man. It's, it's fun, man. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for. From family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want. And mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about 
their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it, get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You know, one thing I'm kind of looking forward to, and I'd kind of like to just mention some of the things that have happened on our, on our trips recently because we both got to go to Colorado in the past couple weeks. Um, but one thing I am looking forward to kind of getting into is is some more saltwater stuff. I haven't done a ton of saltwater fly fishing. <laughs> and I really, For people that don't know, what, what, what was our original connection? Yeah. Um, KC's in my phone as redfish guy, I think, <laughs> uh, because I was like, man, this guy, you know, he lives on the coast. It looks like he's catching a bunch of fish right now. Maybe I should just, you know, as a far, part of my network, just connect with this guy and uh, maybe he'll, you know, be able to put me on some redfish or something. Well, we Never. still have not fished together. Have we even seen saltwater together? I don't think we have. Yes, we did. We fished in South Texas and this didn't year? catch nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. but that's not my home waters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we, so we still haven't, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to get something together, go on a really cool trip, but, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen I don't know if that's going to be fly or not. Oh, it's I'm, okay I'm taking fly a fly rod, rod for oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I got me a big rig when I went to Cabo a couple of years ago. Oh, big um, rig. So I got a, <laughs> a 10 weight for those, uh, snobs out there. So um, one of the reasons too, that, uh, fly fishing is fun it's because it puts more fight into it a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, even on these small fish that's why you use like a small lightweight rod it's just the same thing as an ultralight you know or whatever but like for instance with a saltwater fish like you hook a saltwater fish on a fly rod like a redfish he's going to have one big initial run that's that you probably won't even get with conventional tackle because you have the drag set pretty high and you got the line strength to handle him and all but you go to the big saltwater like you're talking about and catch big jacks or whatever on a 10-weight rod, like you're talking about a fight of a lifetime on, you know, something that oh. if you're using like a – That's what it's about, all, dude. Yeah. I, that's, I want to fight fish. Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to muscle them in like the oh, MLB guy or ML, guarantee uh, you. whatever. ML, There's like three stages fishing. to like stream fishing that are awesome. And small stream a lot of times – your fish are small enough to where they just kind of flop around and Mm -hmm. it's not like the fight isn't as big of a deal, but you're looking for the one that does make it a big deal. Mm -hmm. But say like, for instance, the other day I was fishing Southern Colorado. It's a pretty sensitive spot. So I'm not going to tell you where it was, Um, but decent sized body of water. uh, But they're, the fish were big. They're eating big bugs on top. So there's like three things that like culminate to make it a sick experience. Um, There's the finding the seam, finding the spot in like, not only do you find, like, the spot, but you can find the spot that the fish are holding in the river and then replicate that every couple hundred yards up and down stream. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you put that all together, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then it was, like, the take, right? The big nose mm-hmm. coming up and eating. And then you get the actual fight, which is pretty cool, you know? Like, there's this thing of, like, 
a rod bending way over and a fish running upstream and then all of a sudden he turns downstream and it changes the fight completely because when a fish runs downstream, you can't put a lot on them or you'll pull the hook out of their mouth because they're still a lot of times facing upstream Mm -hmm. but being downstream of you, right? So, like, there's just this... I hate to say the word epic, but it feels that way when you have a big fish on in a river. Like mm-hmm. it's just like the fight of your life, and then all of a sudden it gets to the the shore, and you net it, and there's like this huge release. And you know, there's actually a, a video of me catching my biggest trout ever on the Element Channel. I haven't watched it in a long time. I, need I to think see it. I think it's been getting some views. It's a big uh, brown trout. I, yeah, and we and there's my wife filmed the majority of the fight, and it's like a nine minute and twenty second clip. And it's like, I mean, it's like a 23-inch brown trout that's just fat like a football. And it was epic. The 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 current was flowing pretty fast, and mm-hmm. that was a big part of it, right? I mean, I probably could have got him out got him out in about half that time if they, we didn't have that current to work against. But that's part of the that's part of the fight when, mm-hmm. when you're in the river is you got to work like you got to understand the current. You got to understand, like you said, you don't want to pull too hard when he's facing you downstream because you're just going to pull the hook out. Uh, you know, and he's gonna he can he knows how to use the current to just fight against you too. So it's a it's a cool video. Probably uh, it's like a B side that you may not have, uh, and it may not be easy to find. But <laughs> if you want to go look for it, that there's that, and that's I mean it was awesome, and it was you know in the in the current seam in a in a river that was capturing a lot of snowfall at the time, or you know snow melt at the time. So, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, I didn't catch I didn't catch that many big big fish in Colorado recently when we went, but I did catch greenback cutthroats, which are cool. Mm-hmm. And I've caught them before, uh, and they're maybe my favorite fish. I mean, they're so cool. Um, I want to catch some bigger ones, and I've caught a couple big ones. We went to a lake one time in Rocky Mountain National Park that we hiked to. It was like four miles in. And got up there and just smoked them and caught like probably one like fourteen inch fish that was just orange and and red man it was awesome I'll try to post a picture of that on Instagram for those who are listening to this uh, they can go check it out here pretty soon but um, anyway just an awesome fish they, these fish are so cool they live but the thing is like in that in the park there you get afternoon thunderstorms every day pretty much it seems like and so uh, we started having like. I mean, I was there 30 minutes, and we started having just lightning roll in, mm. thunder, you know. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's get out of here. And it just hurts, you know. But, like, I think that's something I would like to do more of, and I haven't gotten to do a whole lot of. We both had our kids with us on this trip and our wives. So, um, you know, that's one of those things that's hard to hard to balance for a dude. It's good for you. It's good for your family, I think. Uh, but if you really want to learn how to fly fish or get better at fly fishing or have a great experience fly fishing um, – you know, being able to focus on that a little better is probably a, yeah. a good thing for you. But if you've gotten into it a little bit, it's great to integrate your family mm-hmm. into it some. You do a really good job with this. I mean, it seems Both like Both my y'all... kids caught a fish on their own on this That's trip. That's cool. Yeah, on the yeah. Big Thompson. Uh, so Jet caught one and then Journey caught one. She was, you know, she's flopping that uh, mm-hmm. rod out there. She's not really, you know, shooting line or anything. But she gets it out there, and uh, I see I – see, uh, a fish come up and look at the dropper, you know, mm-hmm. and then I see just a white little mouth move, you know. <laughs> I said, "Set the hook, set the hook." And she caught a fish, and it's a nice wild rainbow, man. It's it fun, cool. man. It's cool. Yep. My kids are younger than yours, so uh, not on that yet. Maybe one of these days. I don't know. Stone wants to real bad, yeah, but just know that uh, he's going to break things and. You want to set them up for success, right? So yeah. watch Dad do a little bit. That's right. And I've got one of those backpack kid carrier things, and my kids are really big. Three-year-old, he was like 
45 plus pounds. Mm-hmm. So um, I was carrying him around on my back, caught a, caught a bunch of fish with him, and he was super fired up about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, my one-year-old, I had him in a chest rig one time, and we caught a brook trout, and he thought that was cool. So like, it was fun to, you know, like you just kind of, if you care about the stuff you do and you want your kids to do it, you got to get them in on it pretty early, mm-hmm. right? Or otherwise they're going to find their own things, which is fine too, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I love my kids. I want to be able to enjoy stuff with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. So part of that is like showing them things that I love, and I think that they will also appreciate it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a part of God's creation. It's a part of what we love. And so uh, yeah. I don't know. It was pretty cool too for me uh, because we'd be up in the mountains and uh, – my son would be like, hey, let's pray to God. I was like, okay, no, <laughs> Good no idea. problem. Great idea, man. <laughs> Thanks for reminding yeah, me. It's exactly right, man. <laughs> and I think it was, in some way, he was pretty astounded by what was going on, mm-hmm. you know, just the mountains and stuff. Never seen it before. And mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty cool to see his childish reaction, not childish in a bad way, to that, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of a little bit of an example of how maybe we should be a little bit more often and not just taking it for granted and worried so much about you know, reading water and catching fish. But. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I mean, there's a, you and I uh, have talked about this a lot. There's definitely like this uh, balance that you and I try to find where it's like, how'd you say that? I said balance. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so <laughs> you, uh, you know, you go, you have this balance between reading water, learning things, getting better at what you're doing so that you can have more of those fights that you, I mean, don't, don't jerk a boat in and boat or fishing and boat flipping if you want to enjoy fishing because otherwise the rest I mean the other you know you've got ten seconds there or whatever whereas you could have thirty seconds or a minute you know mm-hmm. and the rest of the time it's just I'm fishing and wishing you know what I mean no no uh, weird you know <laughs> rhyming trying to happen there that's what it is you know uh, but then you also you know you don't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna oust uh, who I should oust here, maybe. But there's a there's a sect of maybe people that would just uh, be completely unbothered, and they're out there just hiking, uh, but with a rod or with a bow. And if they don't catch anything or shoot anything, like you know, it's good to be able to to have those and to still have good trips. But overall. If I'm taking a bow, mm-hmm. I'm trying to shoot something. That's if right. I'm taking a rod, I'm trying to catch something. If I want to go hiking and just say, man, I just love this nature, then I'm, I can leave that other stuff at home. And I can't. I, I want to go fish and mm-hmm. I want to go catch. It's part of the experience that I want. So, like, there's a balance there with, like, every once in a while taking a break while you're fishing maybe and going, man, look at where I'm at. Like, thank mm-hmm. you, God, you know. But at the same time – uh picking that rod back up after you eat a snack and then finding the seam. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's, There's a, a, it's a balance. A balance, as they say. Uh, there is this thing that uh, I, as a consumptive user, don't want to forget. It's like the purpose of what you're out here for, you know, and that's why uh, there's just – and this might be a good thing to end on talking about is the there's an elitism with a lot of stuff. People like to be tribal, and fly fishing is no different. And there's this thing of, like, catch and release with tri- fly fishing. And, you know, catch and release is, is cool, whatever. A lot of those fish die anyways. 
I'm not going to get into data on that because well, I don't know the numbers. I've been but. catching and releasing pigs. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing some arrow testing and some weight uh, stuff, yeah. so you'll hear some more about that soon. For sure. Uh, but, um, like, it's it's good to keep one every once in a while and eat it. That way you at least know, like, the basis as to why you're doing it. Hunting's a little different, right, because there's – Unless you're, um, you know, pig hunting, uh, there's no catch and release too much. Yep. Usually, you know, the idea isn't to catch and release when you're hunting, right? But no. with fishing, a lot of times that's what you do, especially when you got the kids and it's hard to keep one and clean it. But like, it's a good way to like complete that connection to what we do and why we do it. Because originally, all the stuff that we're passionate about, that we consider a hobby or a pastime or a way of life, whatever you look at it, it was all about finding a way to get something to eat. You know, fly fishing didn't come about because somebody was like, I want to see if I can look more like a sissy when I'm out here on the river than I did before. (laughs) You know, that's not really what it is. You know, there was at some point in time, somebody saw a bug get eaten by a fish and they're like, oh, I can't make a hard bait do that. I need Mm -hmm. something that floats on top. You know, yeah, yeah, you get the point. But like, it's good to kind of go and reinforce that connection sometimes where Mm -hmm. you are doing something that's made to be consumed. So enjoy it and don't feel bad about it. And you know what? It's probably good to not make other people feel bad about what they're doing either, mm-hmm. unless it's a bad thing. Then you may get see, a little. I was fixing pressure. to make that point too. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I I wasn't fixing to, but I thought about <laughs> it. Uh, the same thing. Like you know, people aren't just out there ruining your experience. You know, go find your experience, making experience. If you if uh, somebody's out there on the MLF met burning your spot on Lake Fork, then go find a fly rod and make a new challenge for yourself yep. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Go, uh, or just go catch a bunch of catfish instead and, and uh, eat them. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, but you you're making you make a good point there, man. Like, um, just go out there and, and enjoy what you've been given and, you know, don't worry about all the rest of it and all everybody else, you know. Just try to have fun out there and see as many of these things and connect with as many of these things as you can, man. It's uh, it's fun. Make make the experience yours and, and try to get out of it what you want without hurting other people, obviously. But My weather app says it feels like 103 outside. I'm glad we're in here. Do you want to go scout for whitetails right now? Uh. I hadn't wanted to scout for whitetails since February. <laughs> the answer is no. You don't want to. Use this time of year to have some fun. Yeah. You know, we don't got to just be so daggum serious about stuff all the no. time, you know. Find something cool to do and go do it. Enjoy your time with your family. And you know what? Around about August, September, people are going to start thinking about that deer hunting. Uh, I'm, sta- I'm itching a little bit. We're already thinking. Don't I'm get me wrong. But we're doing bit. some of that couch thinking, you oh, know. Oh, it's couch thinking for <laughs> sure, dude. There's this thing called On X, man. Woo! You can hop on there and just, just escape to anywhere you That's want to it, in the dude. world, man. Yeah. So. They even show you the temperature it is there whenever you're That's on right, X. Man. I really like you that. You just dream, dude. <laughs> oh, it's like, 68. Oh, man, right hold on. Let me turn my AC on, man. Oh, it is 68 here. Yeah. Oh, yeah nice. I am in Denver, you know? Yeah. But, well, remember not to take yourself too seriously. Get out, have some fun. Go do some fishing if it's something you like to do. If not, whitetail season ain't too far away. And remember, this is your element. Live in it. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. 
Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory. Relentless performance for your firearms.